Welcome to Legends from the Hill, the Franciscan University Alumni Podcast. In celebration of our 75th Jubilee year, we are talking to alumni throughout our history about who they are, what they're doing now, and their candid experiences of life on campus. We're your hosts, Christy Fleming, Director of Alumni Relations, and Megan Cohen, Class of 2010. Join us as we hear how the Franciscan spirit lives on in the lives of our alumni on Legends from the Hill. Regina Doman graduated from Franciscan in 1992 with her BA in Communication Arts. She's an author, an editor, a mother, and she has numerous fictional books published, including the best-selling book Angel in the Waters by Sophia Press. She was an editor at Sophia Institute and also worked for Catholics United for the Faith. She and her husband now own their own press, Chesterton Press, and we are excited to welcome her today to the podcast. All right. Well, welcome, Regina, to the podcast. It's so good to have you. Thanks for joining us today. I am so glad to be here. I'm very uh, honored to be asked. Yeah, it's we're excited to hear about your life um, and your career of what you've been doing. Uh, before we get to that, can you give us a little background of where you're from and how you got to Franciscan to study? Wow. Yeah. Um, well, I have to admit, Franciscan was the only college I applied to. Um, I was one of those kind of people from the 1980s who the only college I ever dreamed of going to was Franciscan University. And looking back, I'm kind of like, I think that back in the 70s, at least I had a lot more sense of what we would now call the culture wars, the sense that, you know what, like if I want to follow Christ, most of the world was going to be hostile to what I was doing. You know, growing up in the 70s, I was born in 1970. Like I really get the picture that I got from my grade school and, you know, high school years was just like, yeah, it's a battle out there. And there's not really, you know, this before still the Cold War was going on and we had the whole anxiety and things like that. And so, you know, there wasn't a like, I think a lot of people my age, safe to say, grew up thinking that, well, there'll probably be a nuclear war before we're 30 and we'll probably all die. You know what I mean? So that kind of gave us this sort of, you know, for some people in my generation, we just threw it all over and slept around, drank whatever we wanted to, took whatever we wanted to, whatever. Yeah. But for other people, it was just kind of like, let's focus on the things that are really meaningful, you know? And, you know, I, I, of course, my generation was really hit hard with divorce. You know, like a lot of the people I grew up with, you know, their parents were divorced and things like that. Fortunately, I came from like a loving Catholic family and my parents had both had a conversion through the uh, charismatic, you know, Catholic charismatic renewal. And so... I was a part of their early conversion, and I had very positive experiences in the Catholic charismatic renewal growing up. I went to prayer meetings when I was a little kid. I loved all the music. I loved singing. I loved how happy everybody was, and that was just such a strong contrast with the way things seemed to me to be in the rest of the world, if that makes sense. So I was kind of like, hey, yeah, I mean, if we're going to live, we better just follow Christ because there's no hope anywhere else. You know, it was very clear that Christ was my hope. Um, I was not particularly involved in my Catholic faith, ironically. Um, there wasn't a lot of support in the Catholic, you know, church at that time for, you know, the sort of things that I guess people take for granted, you know, having the catechism of the Catholic church, having a really solid catechesis, having fun youth groups and things like that. None of that existed. You know, I mean, we had a youth group in my parish that once a year they did a ski trip and that was it. 
Like that was the only youth group, you know, whereas the Protestant churches were just overflowing with all sorts of wonderful programs and things like that. So I was kind of like, if I'm going to follow Christ, it's going to be as a Protestant, you know, because wow. I don't know what's going on with the Catholic church, but it's just so dead. Like wow. there's nothing going on here. You know, the art is terrible. The music is terrible, you know? Yeah. So that was kind of where I was headed until I went to my first, at the age of 14, my first Franciscan university uh, youth conference. And I walked into the youth conference and just was overwhelmed with like thousands of teenagers just singing and praising God. And it was clear like that this was from their hearts. And I was like, what have I been missing? Mm. Obviously mm. there's more in the Catholic church than I thought there was. Mm. Maybe I better give this a second chance. After all, my parents are really devoted to their Catholic faith. Mm. Maybe there's something here after all, you know? So Basically, yeah, like I, I really date my conversion, you know, to the Catholic Church from that time, you know, from experiencing the Franciscan University Youth Conference, you know. And back in those days, it was all intense. Uh, you know, it was very intense weekend. Yeah. Intense, intense, everything was intense, you know. Uh, you ate intense, whatever. There's no AC the entire weekend. Um, and, you know, yeah, but I mean, that kind of gave this sort of um, – like it, it kind of made it more of a sort of summit experience as opposed to just another conference you get to. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause the other conferences were smaller, the adult conferences, and they were a lot more like regular conferences where the youth conferences were a lot more like you were roughing it. You know, you had your backpack, you had your sleeping bag, you know, you had your stuffed animal and pillow and you know, you were there in for the weekend, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was much more of like a pilgrimage experience in that mm-hmm. way. So I went to Franciscan at the communications department and I had, again, great experience. Um, the communications department during that time was full of very committed people who were very committed professionals. And they, um, you know, like basically I remember one senior sitting me down and saying, okay, look, we're not in a major market. We're not in Pittsburgh. We're not in New York city. If you really want this degree to be worth something, you have got to be intentional. Like you've got to step up. You've got to sign up for every project. You've Mm. got to like any internship you can get, you can grab. We'll all help each other. But this is all a team effort and you've got to be Mm. part of this. Wow. Okay. But yeah, but a lot of the people who were seniors and juniors and sophomores when I was there, they all entered the field as professionals and ended up working in professional, you know, broadcasting and things like that. So yeah, so that was interesting because it was like a very, I, I'm hope, like, I just remember one of the professors saying, yeah, that was a really committed group you were with. And mm. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't know what it was like before or after, you know, but. Um, and did you know, did you go in knowing what you wanted to study and where you wanted to go or did that evolve through the program? Yeah, well, it's like one of those things I thought I knew, you know, <laughs> sure. I knew better. Um, I wanted to go into television. I wanted to work for EWTN. Um, I wanted to write scripts and I wanted to make movies. Now, this was back in the days before the digital age. This was all analog. And so it was a very, like, we didn't have digital video until the year after I left. Hmm. Wow. So we were still working with cutting tape. Now we had machines that cut the tape. We didn't have to actually sit there and cut the tape. But, you know, um, it was very different. Like, I remember making, doing editing on somebody's student project. And I accidentally, like, put, I took their scene two and made it scene five. And there was nothing we could do about it. Wow. And he was just like, okay, so we had to rewrite the script to account for the lack of continuity. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> that gives you an idea of how the continuity was. There. 
That... I mean, it was good because it really made you realize planning. You had to plan and plan and plan. And then when you laid down that tight step, that was it. Much. right yeah. and that's like no yeah that's how you become the expert and yeah. really good right. at what you're doing <laughs> but what I was really drawn to was the writing part right. and that was kind of where I was like okay now I know I'm in my strength you know right. I mean it was you know I did everything I learned everything it wasn't obvious until after I graduated really that that was really where my strength was but I remember I had Mr. Um, Mr. Lewis uh, I guess he was a Dr. Lewis by the time you know he he retired um, Wayne Lewis, but he was just like, you should be in journalism. And he was in my academic advisor. He's like, you should be in journalism. Like a st- you're a storyteller. But of course, you know, I had a very rich and full life at Franciscan. Apart from that, given how Franciscan is, um, I was very involved in household life. Um, what household were you a part of? I was a part of Israel Soap. Okay. And we were always small. We were always in our one hallway and... Um, they kind of peaked. They had like, they were slightly bigger when I graduated. The year after I graduated, a lot of people joined and said they had their big hurrah. And then it kind of gradually died away, you mm-hmm. know? So I guess it's one of those uh, inactive households mm-hmm. that somebody yeah. else could join and raise up. But it was definitely fun. Yeah. You know, it was a good group. And um, I found good discipleship there, which is what I was looking for. Like, I didn't join them because they were like my friends and we were all buddy buddies. I joined them because I was like, these women will get me holy. Mm, wow. Like, these women will be like sandpaper ministry for me. Like I have something to add to them. They have something to add to me and we can seek the Lord together. Can we uh, get into kind of some of where life after graduation has taken you? Because you have quite the resume <laughs> of being an author um, and a pretty diverse background and experiences. So how did you get, how do you get into that? from just your professor saying, oh, you should be a journalist, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I know. Well, it started with after graduation. Um, I couldn't find a job. And it was like at a really low time in the television industry. And, you know, I tried trying to, you know, make a break in EW10, didn't work out. So I ended up working for Catholic United for the Faith, which at that time was headquartered in um, like Larchmont, New York, no, New Rochelle, New York. So I had to move to New York City which was awesome. And I worked with the Franciscan Friars of Renewal because like that was the young adult group down there that I found. Um, but I worked for Catholic Society for the Faith. And it was great because they were there to sort of energize the laity and catechize the laity. But they sort of ended up doing unintentionally a lot of like collecting news about the various scandals that people were having. And some of the stuff was really serious. So I was there at the same time as this man, young man, also a grad of Franciscan, named Curtis Martin. And one day he sat me down and he said, I know I'm working for Catholic United for the Faith, but what I really want to do is start a campus crusade for Christ that's Catholic. Wow. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And I knew campus, I knew campus crusade, you know, because I was that generation. Right. And, and he was like, but I, I got a great name for it. It's going to be called Focus, huh. Fellowship of Catholic University Scholars. Isn't that a great name? And I'm wow. like, that is awesome. I really hope you do that. And of course, as we know, he, he did do that. Yeah, cool. that's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, but then I got married and I started freelancing. I freelanced for National Catholic Register. I freelanced for Our Sunday Visitor. These were all good connections I had made at my first job. And so I was able to kind of work those connections afterwards. And for Our Sunday Visitor, I was interviewing people who were forming intentional Catholic communities and like writing down their stories and stuff like that. So one of the communities was Bethlehem Books. And then they were like, so what about you, Regina? Like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I'm writing a novel. Like in my spare time, after I would work nine to five and then I would shut down my work computer and open up my little Macintosh Apple 
and I would type away on my great novel that I was writing. <laughs> and it was about New York City, and it was based on um, a story that I had told, you know, like one of my friends in high school. And I was just writing it and, you know, having fun writing in the evening. And by the time I got married, like, well, basically, when I met my husband, I had finished my first draft. The first that we bonded over him reading my first draft, oh, you know. Wow. So basically, I was like, yeah, I have this novel. And they're like, oh, we're not publishing new books. We're just reprinting old books. But, like, send it to us. We might like it or whatever. So I sent it to them. And they were like, you know, we really want to publish this. Hmm. And then they made a partnership with Ignatius Press. And so they were able to publish my first book. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it was all from, like, that conversation during an article, doing an interview for our Sunday visitor, you know. So, yeah. So, like, they say, you know. Luck favors the prepared, you know. Well, I know you have so many different books and different types of books. Is there one that you would like to uh, highlight or share with us that uh, you just have a particular fondness to or to introduce to our alums? Well, gosh. Well, you know, Angel in the Waters is the one that I think everybody knows about. You know, I did that with Sophia and Sue Press, and that was really wonderful. Um, you know, that's a picture book about a baby in his mother's womb and... I wrote it in like a half an hour when I was expecting my first child. Oh, wow. And for years, I would take it out and I would read it and I would always cry whenever I read it. I, my sister and I, whenever we got pregnant, we would, you know, cry. And every time we read it, because it's like one of those books that makes you tear up. Hmm. Um, and then I was at a Franciscan University conference. Um, I was asked to speak at a department conference and I met another alum and he's like, I'm working for Sylvia Street Press and we hear that you write you know, fairy tales, like for children, and we want to do children's books. And I'm like, well, I write teenage books for teenagers, but they're based on fairy tales. So I understand where you get the confusion, but like, yeah, no, yeah, (laughs) not really into kids books. And then I went home and I said, oh yeah, there is that one kids book I wrote and it's in my file. And so I pulled it out, looked at it and said, oh, okay, get onto the Macintosh, which I was at a PC by that point, because I married a PC guy (laughs) and um, pulled off the file, transferred over PC, looked at it and said, ah, tweak this, tweak that. Yeah, I'll send it over. So I sent it over to him and he, like, I think it was like at 9am and then I went and I did other things. And then at noon, I got this, I got this email from him and said, in what is possibly the fastest turnover, turnaround time in Sophia and Supress history, we would like to accept your book for publication. (gasps) Wow. That is fast. Never, ever happens. I mean, anybody who works in book publishing is that you think in years, like they're like, we'll accept your book. We'll publish it next year. Hmm. Or give us six months to think about your book. And then maybe next year we'll get back to you. So that's incredibly insane. But basically the publisher told me later, he said, I read that manuscript and I thought this book will save babies' lives Hmm. because you humanize the unborn child. You know, the child is a character. Can you relate to, you empathize with, and he's like, this will save babies' lives. So. Yeah. So that was how it got to be published. It's kind of sort of like nothing like that has ever happened since in my career. And if that was the only thing I'd ever published, I would be very, very grateful, you know, for that, for that, the impact that book has made, you know, so I feel like I have nothing else to ask God, you know, (laughs) I want to make an impact on people's lives there, there. And it took, it it cost me so little effort, uh, which is why I really say it's kind of like, I've just been blessed by God. Yeah. As opposed to, I worked really hard because I didn't work really hard on that. You know, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, that's Definitely. beautiful. Yeah, so th- there's that one. Um, the the book that I think my readers love is Waking Rose, and that does incorporate some of the experiences I had at Steubenville. Uh, at the time I was writing it, I was also working with a lot of Christendom grads. So what I did is because like Waking Rose deals with the girl who's going to college and having all these experiences. 
And interestingly enough, oh my gosh, I always forget this about the book because everyone loves the book. People are, Waking Rose is my favorite book in the entire world. It's based on Sleeping Beauty. So it's Waking Rose, you know, not Walking Rose, Waking Rose. Right. And it's about a girl who goes to college and then she gets into an accident that puts her into a coma. And before that happens, um, she reconnects like with this one young man in her life that she's always had a crush on. And she's like, you know, the unrequited, I would say the book is my hymn to unrequited love, you know, that crush that you had and he never looked at you and he's never interested and you're just like (laughs) dying. Right. That's what Waking Rose is all about. Um, and even though I think a lot of kids read it really young and they don't realize what it's about, but I know that the people who do know what it's about, they write to me, Mm. you know, and they were like, thank you for giving me hope. And it's funny because that book was published like in 2007 and it's probably more timely than ever, you know, in some ways, you know, given where the culture has gone. Yeah, in such a unique and kind of niched way. So it's really neat to hear how it all has come throughout the years. Yeah, the trail, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I I kind of am only realizing this now as I'm talking to you and having this conversation with you. So (laughs) thank you for inviting me to come on here because, yeah, I don't know if I'm thinking about it, you know? Um, Maybe I'll get a chance to get some more novels in when my more of my kids are out of the nest, like the the trail of children leaving the nest. I have 10 children is beginning. Okay. My youngest is six. My oldest is 27. So it'll come to an end someday, I guess. And maybe then, pray God, maybe he'll give me another chance to write some more. Sure. And then you'll have all more of the, those stories and those life experiences, you know, with you that inform yes. everything you write. Like you were talking about Waking Rose and how you, some of that, your experiences at Franciscan made their way into the book in some form, you know? And, oh, totally. Yeah, and, mainly the fun parts. You, you <laughs> like, I remember the dorm warfare. We had water gun fights in, <laughs> like in May. And like, I remember I was in an epic water fight between Hearts of Fire in his image, Israel's Hope and one other household oh, between wow. Mary and the Trinity dorms. It was all over campus. It was insane. Ah, and fun. the uh, janitor, the, the, jan- the lady who was the janitor got in on the fight and she like hooked up the water, the hose. And, you know, basically allowed us to fight back because we were completely besieged in the, in the lounge. Wow. So oh, it was great. It was really awesome. I so yeah, it. some of that is in the book. Not that water fight, which is so precious in my memory, but uh, other, other fights and stuff like that. So, and people stealing each other's household banners, that figures in the book. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. yeah Cause that was Classic. something that happened mm-hmm. raiding the common room and yeah. Taking hostages, things like that. Yeah. That was fun. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Well, speaking of, let's go back down memory lane a little bit. Uh, we yeah. have a segment we do with all of our guests called hot takes from the hill where we make you reflect oh, yeah. back a little bit on, uh, yeah, just parts of your student life. So, uh, did you have a favorite professor when you were a student? Yeah, I'd say, gosh, when I was in there, there's so many, when I was a student, I know that, okay, I'd have to say Miss Elsie Luke, um, who was the head of the English department. And she was the one who laid the foundation for the theater department while she was there. Um, she really like the way that she just mentored all of her students that uh, really had an impact on me. Um, yeah. Informing my taste and kind of forming my sensibilities. So definitely Miss Luke. Yes. God bless her. I love that. That's I great. love that. How about your, okay, so she was your professor, but how about your favorite class that you took? Oh, gosh. I know, or it could be a couple. Well, my, favorite, or, yeah. okay, my favorite class that I took was probably the one that I talked myself into freshman year, <laughs> which was um, Dr. Regis Martin, 
who taught a special one-time class on T.S. Eliot and C.S. Lewis and one other author. It wasn't J.R. Tolkien, because believe it or not, Tolkien was not a big deal in Catholic circles in the 80s. So, but it was T.S. It was T.S. Eliot and C.S. Lewis and something else. And Dr. Regis Martin taught this class and it changed my life. And that sort of completed my conversion to the Catholic faith. Wow. So I've written him and told him how much that class retrospectively meant to me. And yeah, yeah, he was just so good. He was so, such an, it was, it was that and Theology 101, you know, mm-hmm. those were the two classes that probably impacted me the most. That's amazing. And you're using both of them still. So <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah totally. C.S. Huh? Lewis is still my favorite writer. I quote T.S. Eliot a lot in my books. So yeah. Great. <laughs> uh, did you have a favorite place to study or, you know, do your work? Oh my gosh. I was like, for once in my life, when I was at Franciscan, I was super organized and I still thank God for that time. <laughs> I set up my, my schedule so that I had all my hardest classes, like between eight and 10 AM. And then I put an hour between each class. So what I would do is I would go up to, I would go up to the, like I'd go to class and then I'd run down to the library and I'd study for that class. So I would basically, I, I took copious notes cause I can write really easily. And then I would just highlight everything I thought was important or that wasn't a tangent, you know, cause I just wrote down everything. I took dictation. I wrote down everything they said and then I figured out what was important. I did my reading and then I went to my next class and I did the same thing again. Wow. Yeah. And that That's worked brilliant. Like a genius. Oh my gosh. I always recommend that. I always recommend that. How about your favorite friar or sister on campus when you were here? I think it would probably have to be Sister Jean. Um, I'm forgetting her last name. She later joined the Franciscan TOR sisters. Is it Jean Doherty? Yes. I actually just saw that in their their, um, newsletter that she just celebrated her 60th anniversary of being Oh, thank God. Uh, con- yeah. Well, a consecrated woman. But Sister Jean was the dorm. She was like the dorm person. And um, hmm. Lord, director of the dorm yeah. for Trinity. I was always in Trinity. And yeah, she was like a counselor for me. Last question is, have you ever run into an alum in an unexpected place? Yes. Oh, Lord. This is the craziest thing in the world. Part of my job for Catholic Tonight for the Faith involved heading up a pilgrimage to the Vatican. Okay. And I was like the new grad and I was in charge of this thing, shepherding 80 people overseas. Ah, this is before the Austrian program. So I'd never been overseas, you know? Right. So anyhow, I managed to do it. Nobody got lost. Nobody died. Nobody got sick. It was awesome. Success. Um, so, but I decided to stay on for a little bit past graduation. Excuse me, past the pilgrims. Like everybody else went home and we, we stayed on for another day. So I was walking in St. Peter's Basilica because I just love that church. It's my favorite church. And I was walking and I was like, and I, I was basically, I was with a group of pilgrims. Cause you know, there were like official tour guides. Right. And you could just kind of walk in and join anything like that. And as I was walking, I started looking at the guy in front of me and being like, oh, that's an interesting guy. He doesn't look like a typical Italian, whatever, you know? And then I was like, he looks really familiar. And I was like, that, I, I feel like I've seen that long hair and that backpack <laughs> before. And so then I was like, did one of those things where you just say the person's name in a normal tone of voice <laughs> and just see if they react, you know what I mean? Yeah, because like, you right. know, I call out to them in case it's not them. So I was just like, Marcel Guarnizo? And he turned around and I was like, oh my gosh, it's you. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, he just was randomly on pilgrimage. That's at the amazing. same time and the same place. That's so good. And I was like, oh, wow. And I was like, okay, well, we got to go out to dinner. This is too crazy. Yeah. So we went out great. to dinner and he was just like, 
I'm gonna, I'm planning on studying for the Catholic priesthood. And he's like, um, you know, like he told me about that. And so I kind of like, you know, we download and stuff. I, like, I promised to pray for him and mm. I have. Aww. And I later found out he was the first Roman Catholic priest ordained in Russia after the fall of the Iron Curtain. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's it's just cool. crazy. I love it. Awesome. That's a great story. I love it. Well, Regina, I feel like we could chat with you forever and you have so yeah, many sorry. amazing stories and uh, yeah, connections to the university. So thank you so much for sharing them with us today. It was uh, fun to hear a new perspective and especially with your career. So thank Definitely. you for sharing. Oh my gosh, you're welcome. Anytime. It's yeah. great to touch base again. So awesome. God bless and pray for Franciscan all the time. So uh, you guys. we need it. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much. Keep fighting the battle. All right. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Legends from the Hill. If you liked this conversation, please share it with an alumni you think would also enjoy it. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Franciscan Alumni to stay up to date on events in your area and news on campus. Do you know an alumni who has a story to tell? We want to hear legends from throughout our 75-year history. Email us suggestions for the podcast at alumni at franciscan.edu. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Legends from the Hill.